an Ironic Media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. It's way easier to be a victim to our life and to our circumstances than to say like, okay, I do take full responsibility for who I'm being, for my energy, for my response. Then what? What's possible from the place of 100% responsibility? You can create is that story. We get to be in control. Yeah. And create your story rather than everything's happening to me versus like, it's all happening through me. Right. And that your external world or reality is just a mirror. It's just reflecting your internal landscape mm-hmm. in so many ways. And so if you see something you don't like, it's like, you yeah. Here, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of like that woman that you were saying that got annoyed with your energy. That was one of the first things I learned on my spiritual journey was that everyone was a mirror for us. And if you're getting triggered, there's a reason. So like dive into that. Why mm-hmm. is Marley so annoying? Energetically speaking, maybe you want more of her. Maybe you really want to be like her, but you don't know how. So then you right. keep going with that. There's so, judgment, there's comparison. There's right, all right, that, right, you know? right. Welcome to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this show, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll hear incredible stories of transformation and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for well over a decade. My connection with energy is so strong, and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. All right, today on the podcast, I have Marley Williams, and I am very excited to talk to her. I met her through a group that I'm a part of. As soon as I heard her speak, as soon as I saw her picture, I knew she had something to share with me about how to be the greatest version of who you truly are. And that is definitely her gift in this world. I can tell by, even when I went to her website, I swear the words were coming off the page. Like they were just like glowing. What spirit has said is that you have liquid gold that comes out of your mouth. So I can't wait to talk to you. You are definitely super authentic and the greatest version of you clearly helping other people to do the same. You also have a camp. Yes. Which I think is amazing because I'm still a little kid inside and I didn't make it this year, but I'm hoping to make it one of the other times, but also you have another retreat coming up in January, which is also called Camp Yes. Is that correct? It is. Yeah. It's our Baja retreat. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. What I love about you also is that you have these things in these remote areas. So like, you're not at the really super fancy resorts, which really ties well into what we were just talking about before we got on the podcast is that you were a wilderness leader and you were teaching kids, high schoolers, how to backpack for 21 days through the mountains, which is nuts. It's totally nuts. Um, totally. It, I mean, totally great, but also totally nuts because they're high schoolers going through the mountains and backpacking. So, oh yeah. So welcome to the show, Marley. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm super stoked. How did you get into becoming a wilderness educator? Well, when I was 19 years old, I decided to go on a 50 day outward bound course, not 15 days, not five days, 50 days, five, zero. So I decided to go into the wilderness with a group of people. I didn't know for almost two months. Wow. The reason I did that, I remember I was a freshman in college walking around and there was a sign that said like free leadership retreat. And so I decided to go, of course. 
And I meet this woman, her name is Sarah Thompson, and she was the director of the Leadership Center on campus, right? And here I am like bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, like freshman, like taking it all in, like college, here I am. And Sarah Thompson was like the coolest person I'd ever met, right? When you talk about like being the greatest expression of who you are in the world, like I felt that energy from her and I felt drawn to that. And she, I remember at this leadership retreat, she talked about this thing called Our Bound. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to be as cool as Sarah Thompson, <laughs> I better go do this outward bound thing. And I started my college experience, like not really knowing what I wanted to do. And I literally remember telling my parents, like, I want to go on outward bound and like find myself uh-huh. and to spend time in the woods. And, and the people, people that know me now, they're like, of course, Marley did outward bound, but people don't know that I like legit grew up in the suburbs of Chicago where the closest <laughs> thing I got to the wilderness was like a KOA campground, which has like a coffee shop and a pool and like, right, it's yeah. like not the wilderness. Right. So that outward bound course really was the catalyst for my transformational journey. It was like the biggest, it was like the thing that impacted the rest of my life. Mm. And on that course, we went on a three-day solo. So it's like, imagine you're 19 years old, you get dropped off in the middle of the wilderness for three days alone. And when we got dropped off for our solo, it was like raining, lightning, thundering. I thought I was going to die. Like it was crazy, but you're just there with yourself, with your thoughts and nothing else to distract you from the essence of who you are, if you will. I went with this intention to like find my purpose. And I remember in my journal writing down, I still have my journal to this day, said my mission on this course and in my life is to help people realize their full potential. Oh, boom. Like, that's it. Like, God, that's how did you figure that out at 19? Is that all we had to do? <laughs> right. And so it's like, that I think is such, is the reason why I love creating these transformational experiences for people and getting, giving them an opportunity to step out of their life and getting a chance to reflect on their life without actually being in it. And that's really why I love transformational retreats and events is it takes you out of the day-to-day noise and the distractions and the dings and the rings. And it really allows you to have the time and the space to tune in to your intuition, to your truth, to your essence, to the greatest version of you. That is what inspired me really. Like I've been on this journey for the past 20 years. And I think that camp, yes. And the experiences that I create now are really a culmination of like decades of experience in leadership, working in higher education, being a guide, a wilderness guide, and taking all of my, like my love for personal development and transformation and play and nature and the wilderness and weaving that all together into this like really unique experience where you're not in a hotel conference room, you're out in the wilderness and in nature and having that opportunity to connect to your personal power through play. Hmm. We definitely don't do that enough. And I totally am on board with this whole idea of like, you have to get out of your environment in order to really tap into who you are. I feel like when we go away, it does heighten all of our senses, probably from a very primitive state, like or primitive mind, where it's like, wow, I'm in a new place. I need to start paying attention a lot more clearly to what's going on. And, and, and what, what skills do I have within me? What kind of resilience do I have? So I I think it's, it's perfect for, for the foundation of transformation. Makes a lot of sense. So you're teaching at this high school, which is actually right up the road from me, which is cool. But then where did you go after that? 
So I did the outward bound thing. And then I actually transferred schools my junior year to study in outdoor education. I like, I tell people I legit have a degree in being a professional camp counselor. So part of my journey was this AmeriCorps teaching fellowship. I did a couple different things in being a wilderness guide. I worked in Breckenridge, actually worked at the Breckenridge Outdoor Education Center for a while. That's where I did my internship. I worked at Eagle Rock in Estes Park. And then I, I was like doing all those wilderness guiding stuff. And it's like three months here and six months there. And I did wilderness therapy for a while in Utah. Oh wow! And I really wanted to not do the seasonal thing anymore. And I was looking into going back to school. So I found this job and it's the director of outdoor programs at Dartmouth College. And I was like, I loved in college. I was an RA. I was really involved in student leadership. And I was like, I'd love to work at a university. Hmm. And that's you know, just more stable career. So I applied to Colorado State University, actually one school in Fort Collins, and I didn't get in. I found out my 25th birthday, I didn't get into college <laughs> or into grad school. And then I, I lived in Boulder. I was a barista for like a year on oh, Pearl wow. Street, just like hanging out. I worked at the Women's Wilderness Institute there. And then I applied to grad school again, three different schools this time and ended up getting into Western Washington University in Bellingham, Washington, which is what originally brought me out to the Pacific Northwest. Ah. So I decided I got my master's degree in education, in higher education specifically, in student affairs. So working with coll- like college students in the non-academic side, so student academic advising and student leadership, I ended up getting a job working at the university after I got my master's. And I worked with first generation college students. Oh, cool. They were the first in their family to go to college. And I was essentially, my job title was, I was an academic support coordinator. So I was like a life coach for college students, really of helping them navigate the university, figure out what they wanted to major in, choose their classes. And so I did that for five years. And while I was there, I actually started an outdoor orientation trip program for incoming freshmen. I would lead these week-long backpacking trips for incoming students really as this like rites of passage type of experience of like you're leaving your home or where you grew up and you're starting a new path, a new adventure in your, on your journey, a new chapter in your life and to create that threshold for them. And I love this idea of like these threshold moments for people. It all comes back to creating transformation. I call them spiritually transformative experiences. So mm. sounds like you yeah. had a spiritually transformative experience when you were on your hike, but you have to have that one experience that really opens you up and says, okay, there's gotta be more to life. There's gotta be a, a path that's just for me. And mm. I love that you help to ignite it in such a different way. I mean, mm. I, so, so far on the podcast, I talked to a lot of people who do this very thing, but in their own unique way. And I just love meeting another way. So go out into the wilderness <laughs> and try to survive and see what happens and be with your thoughts definitely worked for a long time for humans to take these retreats into the mountains and be quiet and still with themselves. My son loves to watch this show. It's called you versus the wild. Have you heard of it? Mm -hmm. It's on Netflix and you actually like it's choose your own adventure and I suck at it. So I'm like, I need your (laughs) skills because they'll, they'll like to be like, should we eat the egg? Like that's like a little baby bird egg, or should we eat like this tree or bush or whatever. And I'm like, eat the little egg. And then he's like, got salmonella and he's like throwing up. Then they're like, start over. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, so it's not okay. as intense because it's for kids, but it's funny. We play right. it as a family. It, we'll, we'll take turns making the decision. And yeah. I'm like, I always kill us guys. I got to learn more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I grew up in a small town though, and I had a lot of exposure to the wilderness, but I didn't get a lot of training. I was in Girl Scouts and right. we, we kind of camped and that was about it. Very so. different. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. I mean, you must feel pretty empowered knowing that you could be dropped anywhere and do well, or at least. Survive. I mean, for the most part. Yeah. I don't know if I'd ever like do go on survive or anything like that. It's interesting when I think about the power of the wilderness, there is that element of self-reliance for sure. And like what it can show you and teach you about yourself. It's pretty humbling if you think about it. Like helping you feel a little insignificant isn't necessarily the right word, but it is feeling connected to something bigger than you. Mm-hmm. I mean, mother nature to me is church is God is the universe. Like I think like when you're in a natural environment, when you think about something being awesome or awe inspiring or being in those places where you're just like, whoa, it is humbling. But just a a big piece of it is that perspective, the gift of the perspective that it can give you on who you are, on your life, on the things that are important to you, you know? Yeah. One of the things I love about Colorado is you can go out of any place, like your house, your marshals, your grocery store, and you see the mountains and you're like, whoa, (laughs) I am just this tiny person in this world. Like it's a great reminder of how vast and big the world is. And then think about this, like, so when we go out into the wilderness, it's like, if you take away our cell phone, you take away even our jacket or whatever, then, and we got to figure out how to survive. We're like, oh my God, this is really tough. And we spend all day long in air conditioning and all the modern amenities, our refrigerator. I mean, we started camping, but it's really in a camper. And so I'm not, (laughs) that's as far as I go of like testing my limits, but I really do think there's so much that I learn and remember about myself when I am around a campfire or when I'm in nature. It just yeah. really brings you back home. So you have this camp. Yes. It just sounds so amazing. I've seen some videos. I've heard some testimonials from people. What's the best thing about having camp? Yes. Mm, the people, the community, when people sign up for camp, I do these things. I have like a heart chart. I think about how many people that I want to call in to have this experience with me. And anytime someone signs up, I write their name in a heart mm-hmm. and I really I think about like, what did it take for this person to say yes to themselves? Whether it's like they needed someone to watch their kids or they needed to buy a plane ticket or they needed to ask for time off work or set an away message. There's this collective energy when all of these women gather together that they're like, I'm giving myself this gift of four days to say yes to myself. And the energy that that generates and creates and the, I think everyone shows up with like kind of this like apprehension, like, are these going to be my people? Am I going to belong? Am I going to fit in? Like, I think that that there's kind of a human nature to like going to a new event now, like after this isolation, I think that people were kind of having some social anxiety, but at the same time, people showed up and they're like, oh my God, I didn't know how much I needed this. Mm -hmm. I needed this tangible face to face, heart to heart, real life, hugging people, looking in someone's eyes, which is like almost remind us of our humanity and the space that I create for people to be authentic and vulnerable and do things that are fun, comfortable and like really get outside of their head and outside of their comfort zone and give them permission to play and permission to say yes, and permission to unleash the best, greatest, awesome, awesome version of you mm-hmm. and to dream bigger and to have this vision for your life. And I mean, two months later, we're on the community call last night with everybody 
And people are like, literally, it has changed the way that I show up every single day. How am I saying yes to myself? What am I saying yes to today? What do I need to say no to? And it's like this frame of how to live your life beyond those four days. And so as the wilderness guide, one of the things that I would tell my students, I said, if what we do out here, if it does not make you a better human back there in your real life, I have failed you as a guide Mm. because you can go to Tony Robbins. You can go to an event. It's what happens when you go home Mm -hmm. and how that facilitator or guide helps you transfer, which is called the transfer of learning, transfer what you learn and who you become back into your life and feel like you have this new way of seeing the whole world that Mm -hmm. changes everything. I think sometimes people think like, oh, camp, it's just like camping in the woods. And it's like, I mean, this was my fourth year running camp and it is a deeply, truly transformational experience. And the magic of the co-created experience of the, the collective energies that come together for that, we call it camp magic. Like there's a woman from the group who had a foster kid and needed a home and someone in the group is fostering this kid. And it's like, where do we do like hashtag camp magic? Someone in the group just got hired by someone else in the group. And there's all of this and someone just signed up for someone else's program, but it's not through like sleazy, weaselly networking. It's Mm -hmm. like people build these like genuine, genuine, authentic connections with, and they refer each other and they actually hang out and go on walks and we're hanging out tomorrow night just for fun. And the number one thing was the people, the community, the connections. And I would think that a lot of people would say the same thing. It sounds amazing. I definitely am a little bit jealous and have FOMO about watching that video because I was like, I think I can go. And then we had already been camping and already spent so much time and energy outside of the house that I was like, I got to focus on work. Hopefully next year. Next is it time, time. Next time. Is it August, September next year? So yeah, next year we're actually, I don't know if I'm a genius or insane, either one, <laughs> but we're doing two sessions of camp. They're both in September, September 1st through 4th. So we have a Labor Day weekend camp and then the weekend after. So that's the 8th through the 11th. Oh, wow. Two camps back to back. So we're doing, yeah, two camps back to back, session one, session two. Just published them yesterday. The link is live to sign up on our website. We're super stoked. I mean, it's really like, it's already halfway full with the people that were at camp this year that already signed up for next year. So oh, cool. So it's not just a one and done, like you can come back and experience. Oh yeah. And then people were even like, can I do session one and session two? And I'm like, <laughs> okay. They're like, I never want camp to end. So. I can totally agree with that. It's hard yeah. to find an adult camp, right? One that's actually in alignment with creating a better version of you. Because totally. you could just and go to camp. Are, and right. And some there's co-ed camps, which is a whole different experience, I think. And then there's camps where it's just people drinking. Camp, yes, there's no phones, no technology, no drugs, no alcohol. I mean, it's really like a, a digital detox, a life detox. And then we have this Camp Yes Baja retreat coming up in January for people who want to get some fun in the sun. There's this beautiful retreat center that we have with glamping, like legit glamping tents and right on the ocean, Photo Santos. So that's filling up pretty fast. We're super jazzed about that. Cool. Why do you think it's so hard for women to say yes to themselves? I think that we live in a world and a society where it's not the norm. Women are innate kind of like natural caretakers and caregivers and nurturers. I grew up with a mom who is a people pleaser and an overgiver to the extent of being like a martyr, really. Mm -hmm. Like I did all this for you or like, 
I don't even know if my mom knows how to say yes to herself or what that even means. Like, what do you like to do for fun? Like, it, like that it's, there's this cultural narrative that it's like selfish to say yes to yourself or selfish to take care of yourself or selfish to take that bath or to go on that retreat because, and also this, like all those weight and this pressure that women put on themselves. Like if I go on this retreat, if I leave, if I take the bath, like the world is going to end, everything's going to fall apart because it's up to me. And I think that there's this just like unrealistic expectations that are put on women to like be the mom and be the parent and be the partner and be the, have the job and do all of the things and never let them see you sweat. Mm-hmm. Never complain. Isn't that ridiculous. <laughs> hold it all in, hold it all together. I just think there's hopefully a shift in the cultural norm of like, when I do say yes to myself, when I take care of myself, I am better able to take care of my friends, my partner, my family, my work, my job. I'm going to be a better entrepreneur, a better coach. But I think that there's this like, yeah, these unrealistic expectations that are placed upon us, whether from our family or culturally or society, where it's like this unlearning, unraveling that has to happen. And the fear of not belonging, the fear of like, people aren't going to like it. If I do the fear of disappointing others, like letting people down, there's a lot wrapped up in it and people not even knowing, I don't even know how sometimes people Mm -hmm. are like, it has been so long (laughs) where I've just said yes to everything and everyone else that I like, don't even know how. And like, that's why it's like at camp, I I talk about this. It's choose your own adventure. We have play shops. We have other, all sorts of things going on. And I say the biggest rule of the weekend is that you have four days to practice saying yes to yourself. Mm, It's important. And that means if someone asks you, Hey, do you want to go to this play shop? And you don't want to go, you have permission to say, I'm going to go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Instead, I'm going to go lay in a hammock. So practice what comes up for you. Cause you might feel like, I don't want to let them down. I don't want to disappoint them. Right. And if we can't say yes, in these little moments that don't even really matter. Right. Then what about the big moments? Mm-hmm. So I think that people cultivating that confidence and that courage in themselves at camp to practice seeing it as a muscle that you can develop. Mm-hmm. And when people left and they had hard conversations with their business partner, they quit their jobs because it was like, oh, this is what's possible. I know how to do it now. And part of it is getting clear on what it is that you actually want. Mm-hmm. So often we're just living our life by default and going through the motions that we don't even know what we're saying yes to and no to. It's like really hitting the pause button. I think we're just so busy in our life that we don't know what we're saying yes to, know what we're saying no to. We're just like going through you don't the motions. Even know there's a pause button. <laughs> yeah. And they actually, I give them on their wrist, I give them a button that's on a string. That's their official pause button. And people still have them on. That's funny. And I say at any point in time, you're like thinking in the past, you're thinking in the future, you get to hit the pause button and be here, be present, be in this moment right here, right now. That's so awesome. It's just yeah. such a cool way to handle getting people to shift into the moment. I yeah. like it. So yeah. if your mom was a people pleaser, almost martyr, how did you avoid that? Well, I don't think I completely avoided it. I'm a recovering people pleaser, recovering perfectionist. I am still an overgiver. Like I'll buy everybody like the hoodies instead of having them buy the hoodies at camp or whatever, right? This idea of I don't want to disappoint people. I don't want to let people down. I think I've learned to manage might not be the best word, but understand it. 
you know, to look at like, okay, this might be my default. Like I avoid conflict. Just what are the tendencies towards that and cultivating this awareness of like, well, what's the cost of people pleasing? Ultimately it's inauthentic. I think one of my biggest lessons in that is when I came out to my parents when I was 20 years old. And I remember like standing in the kitchen, I was like my hands shaking, my heart's pounding. I didn't think that they would disown me. I just, what was so hard for me in that moment was like, I knew that I would disappoint them. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't what they expected of me. It wasn't what they wanted for me. It was unknown, unfamiliar. Like ultimately it's just because they wanted me to be happy. And it felt like, Mm -hmm. you know, that was a hard path. Right. Right. Um, right. My mom said the same thing. There's this line in this poem called the invitation by Orion mountain dreamer. And the line is, can you disappoint another to be true to yourself? I've had to like that as a lesson that has come up when I'm in breakups. Can I disappoint someone else to be true to myself of like, this isn't authentic to me. This isn't what I want anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, can I be true to myself in those moments? And the next line is, can I bear the accusation of betrayal and not betray my own soul? And this idea of like, I want everybody to like me and realizing like I've learned just over the years, I'm not everyone's jam. I'm not yeah. everyone's cup of tea. Like, Hey, Marley, you have too much energy. Great. You can go listen to somebody else and not, that's a very interesting complaint, (laughs) taking it personally, but it's like, okay. Like Lisa Nichols says, like, if, if you think I'm too bright, put on your sunglasses, cause I'm not going to dim my light to make you comfortable. It's not my job to make people comfortable. It's not my job to please people and like make them like me or get them to like me. And it still shows up. Like I remember, and I, I still have a really hard time disappointing people but I've learned how to model this for others. A really funny story is at camp this year, I told everybody because we don't take their phones, but we say, put away your phones. You don't need it. I'll do a wake up call tomorrow morning. I'll do one at seven and then I'll do one at seven 30 or something like that. And I slept in. And so I only did one at seven 30 and I didn't go down all the way to the bunkhouse. So I didn't wake up the bunkhouse people. And so someone missed our morning practice. And she was at breakfast, like in tears, just like so upset that she had missed it. And she's like, I really needed this and da, da, da. And so I am here, like just feeling awful. Like I'm a terrible leader. I didn't follow through. I'm can't believe I didn't go down to the bunkhouse and wake them up. Like I'm, I'm awful. And here I am like just stewing. Like, I'm like, I can just feel like all this anxiety and like my, like, oh, it was just awful. And I got up on a picnic table. Can I swear on this thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're explicit. <laughs> All right. I got up on the picnic table and I had a hat on and I threw it in the air and I said, I fucked up. And I was just like, hey, everybody, I love to make mistakes because it helps me learn and grow. And tomorrow I'm going to do better. That was it. And people were just like, yeah. I think so many people fear transformation. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, fear being in a leadership role because they don't. And in this cancel culture right now, talk about like people, please like, or just this, like walking on eggshells and fear. Like Mm -hmm. if I say something, or if I don't say something, like someone's going to cancel me out. Someone's going to be wrong, no matter what I say or don't say, or don't do. And so people don't do anything or they don't want to step up into leadership. You know, I got a text message from someone in my master who was in my mastermind. And it was just like, Hey, Marley, I have some reflections about the mastermind. All of a sudden anxiety of like, she hated it. I'm a terrible coach. We did not have the conversation, 
I said, great. I'd love to chat with you. Here's the link to my calendar. But it's just, I think it's noticing like, okay, my job isn't for everyone to love me. And to trust that one of the things that I say at all of my events is, I hope that you get something that you needed. It's something that you didn't even know that you needed. And sometimes that's people not having the experience that they wanted. And that's so hard when I'm like, I want everyone to walk away being like, this was the best thing ever. But what happens when someone walks away and they're like, it wasn't, can there still be transformation there? Mm -hmm. I have signed up for coaching programs that paid a F ton of money for all sorts of different stuff Mm -hmm. that I didn't get what I thought I wanted, but I'm like, okay, well, I might've gotten something else and I get to decide what I want to get out of it too. One thing as a coach, I've really had to learn how to not take responsibility for people's results or their experience Yeah. either way for their success or for like, Hey, this isn't, wasn't my jam or I didn't get what I wanted. Well, it's like, Hey, I was available for this conversation and open. So I think I just kind of like weaseled through that very long answer to your question. It's hard as a leader to navigate that line between I want everyone to have like the most amazing time ever. And like my deepest commitment is to show up and serve, trusting that people are going to get whatever they're meant to get in that moment. And through that, I'm letting go. I'm letting go. Yeah. If you show up hundred percent or show up the best that you can, one of the four agreements is always do your best. And people are like, well, I can't always do my best. I'm like, no, you can do the best that you have at the time. It's not always going to be the same hundred percent, right? It's going to feel different. It's going to look different, but that is your intention is to show up and be the best that you can. Honestly, if you're a perfectionist and, or a former perfectionist and you have such a good heart, like you're already giving way more than the average person. At least that's what I found is that the people who are so dedicated to their work, they go well beyond and deliver so much. So yeah, so true. Yeah. Even when we screw up, it's like so much less than what we think it is. I talk about when I told my parents that I was coming out, that it was my first coming out of the closet. And then I had many others coming after that. So mm-hmm. it really did help me choose me at that mm-hmm. time. Cause it was like, this is really so uncomfortable that I just have to choose me. And what's yeah. so interesting about all that is that we tend to be uncomfortable so that other people can be comfortable, but it's like, <laughs> that's silly. If we're always choosing that other people are comfortable and we're not, why not eventually choose us being comfortable and then they can deal with whatever comes their way. Like it's unfair that we, we are programmed to think that we have to be uncomfortable so they can be comfortable. Yeah. I definitely there, worked on that a lot. There's, this is the writer downer for those of you listening, stop the car. The greatest freedom in life is to allow the other person to have their own experience. And it doesn't mean like I get to be a jerk and whatever you experience, but it's like, I get to stop taking responsibility mm-hmm. and I get to let them feel how they feel. Right. And if they feel uncomfortable, that that's okay. And that my only job is to be true to myself and speak from my heart and be kind and then let people have their own experience. We try to control their experience right. or fix their experience mm-hmm. because oh, like I do that. All, I, I don't want to disappoint anybody and I want to make it right. And I want to fix it all. And it's like, can I just let someone be in their disappointment? Can I let this woman be like, if she's disappointed in something, can I let her have that experience? And can I still go to bed at the end of the day saying like, I did do the best that I can. And there's another quote that says like, do your best until you can do better and then do that. <laughs> Cause like, yeah, we're just working with the tools that we have right now in this moment. Love that you say you don't have to have all the answers to go out there and shine your light and share what you have to say. 
I think so often, as we were just talking, perfectionists or people pleasers tend to really try to change the experience. But then what happens is it winds up being a spiritual experience because they receive it in a way that we're like, that's not what I meant. (laughs) Or like you didn't appreciate it or whatever. And I did my light or I thought I was so uncomfortable and it was just for you and you didn't appreciate it. It winds up being that kind of dialogue that muddles everybody's light. The foolproof plan is to really follow your heart and keep being authentic to you because the real you is not an asshole. The real you is not trying to hurt people. The real you is trying to show up and shine your light and share your your message and try to help people and connect with people and things like that. It's not this other thing that we fear, which is hurting people. Right. When we follow our heart. And if it does, like, you know, you said, make people uncomfortable, then maybe that's what they need. Exactly. Exactly. Like, why is that lady uncomfortable with you having too much energy? Is it because she's not passionate enough about what she's doing? And then she, gets, she has a chance exactly. to look at that, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that you said in your video on your website, first of all, you say you have pep talks and I love that. I like, there's a whole page for pep talks. If you need a pep talk, I'm totally going to go there. I think we should more often say you need a pep talk or I'm going to give you a pep talk. I think it's so great. The idea of pep talks somehow sort of disappeared. I don't know. I, you're the first person in probably 20 years that I've heard say pep talk because I haven't played sports in a while, but we do need pep talks in life, maybe in sporting events and when we're competing or whatever, but it's more important in life to have a pep talk. So I like that. hundred percent. The other thing that you said was you may not be able to change the world, but if you change it for one person, you change their world. And I think we forget that we can do that, that we have Mm -hmm. that, we can have that impact and that it Mm. doesn't need to be the entire world that changes. Like if if you save one person from misery by sharing your light or giving them some information, then you've done your job. And I think that sometimes we wait for these like grandiose moments, wait to like give the Ted talk or wait to write the book or wait till we have our message or wait till have it all figured out before sharing before posting the video, before writing the blog post, sending the email, whatever it is. Anytime I'm doing like a Facebook live or doing a pep talk, I'm like, if this changes one person's day or life or moment, then that's all that matters. We want to change the world, but that idea of changing one person's world and the ripple effect that that can have, Mm -hmm. making someone smile, making someone's day. And it's like, we have these opportunities every single day through every interaction that we have. I always say we can either make someone's day or we can break someone's day. It's up to us. We almost devalue our impact that we have on others. What if we were to really own that and take responsibility for that and say like, what impact do I want to have? One of the things that I ask people all the time, I say, what do you want people to say about you behind your back? (laughs) Like when you're not in the room or when you go to an event and you leave, what are people left with? Another question that I love is what shows up when you show up? When you walk into a room, a meeting, an event, a Zoom room, what is your energetic signature presence? What are people left with? After all of the keynote talks that I've given and podcasts I've been on and everything, the number one thing that people always say, number one thing, Marley, I love your energy. Every time. It is an energy that I bring. And do you know what that is? Right. And I know that mine is contagious enthusiasm and this like kind of exuberance and zest for life. It is palpable. People can feel it the moment I walk around without saying anything. And so it's like, are we tuned into the impact that we have, even when we're not talking Mm -hmm. or saying anything? And like, 
do I know what that is? And am I willing to take responsibility for it? Am I having the impact that I want to have ultimately? I was walking through a conference once and there was a bunch of stuffy people there. There was another person who worked for somebody that was there and she just, she saw me come and she goes up high like this. She's like, I love your energy. <laughs> She's like, keep doing that. Cause when you are so enthusiastic, such a bright light, it is noticeable and you really don't have to do much just to share your light. You just are it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just who you're being. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's no trying. And sometimes people are like, Marley, why do you have so much energy? Where does it come from? And <laughs> infinite it's like, source. <laughs> infinite source. It's like, I do things that I love. I surround myself with people that I love. I am intentional with how I start my day. There's all these little, I'm like, where does it come from? And part of it, I did like my soul purpose reading, like with my uh, palm with a shaman, like the whole thing. And I love what you said about like the liquid gold and she's like, you don't need to justify or explain your light or your energy. It's who you are. It's your essence. That's feeling that I need to have a reason for it mm -hmm. versus like, this is just who I am. Do I have off days? Do I feel like there are days that I just want to like hang out in bed in my pajamas and watch Netflix for sure. Mm -hmm. I also have the ability to generate my own energy. And the, the big one is, and I, I said this at a keynote the other day, I said, are you willing to take 100% responsibility for your energy? Question mark. Mm -hmm. Shit happens. There are external factors that the kid threw up or like, I got this bad email at work, right? Like there's kind of these external things, but it's like, okay, coming back to yourself and source and saying like, what do I need to nourish myself, to fill myself up, to move this energy through? Do I need to go for a run? Do I need to meditate? Do I need to punch a pillow? But like, can I take responsibility versus what we do often is we blame the fucking world. We blame everybody mm -hmm. else. It's way easier to be a victim to our life and to our circumstances than to say like, okay, I do take full responsibility for who I'm being, for my energy, for my response. Then what? What's possible from the place of hundred percent responsibility? You can create is that story. We get to be in control. Yeah. And create your story rather than everything's happening to me. Mm-hmm. Versus like, it's all happening through me. Right. And that your external world or reality is just a mirror. It's just reflecting your internal landscape mm -hmm. in so many ways. And so if you see something that you don't like, it's like, you got yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of like that, that woman that you were saying that got annoyed with your energy. It's like, that was one of the first things I learned on my spiritual journey was that everyone was a mirror for us. And if you're getting triggered, there's a reason to like dive into that. Why mm -hmm. is Marley so annoying? Energetically speaking, because maybe you want more of her. Maybe you really want to be like her, but you don't know how. So then right. you keep going with that. There's so, judgment, there's comparison. There's right, all right, that, right, you know? right. Yeah. I, th I really think coming out and maybe you feel the same way is like when you have to radically accept yourself for what you are, you really just start to believe everything's going to be okay. If, if I'm in charge and I choose me and I keep choosing me, then I'm going to figure it out. Like I'm going to keep coming from my heart. It's got to be the way because coming out is definitely easier now than it was. I don't know. You said you were 20. I don't know how old you are now. Yeah. That was like almost 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Yeah. Same for me. So it was a little different. It was definitely easier than the people before us, but you know, it's definitely something that we all think of when we're coming out is, oh, am I going to disappoint people? Am I going to hurt people? Are people going to leave me? Are people not going to like me? And thankfully my experience was pretty awesome. And I was accepted by everyone that was around me and loved me pretty much. I was able to go forward and be like, whoa, whew, that one worked out. <laughs> What's the next thing I have to accept about myself? And 
was being spiritually awake and becoming a medium and psychic and a healer and things like that. Each level of that was another level of ownership. Uh, mm-hmm. And I continue to keep coming out of the closet with things like it just uh, is never ending it seemingly, but it gets easier and easier because the more I choose me, the better I feel, the more in alignment I am with who yeah. I truly am. And I'm sure you definitely understand that on a yeah. spiritual level for sure. hundred percent. So you have a program that's called magnetic leaders. Is that what you're talking about when you talk about coaching? Yeah. So this past summer I led, it was the first time I led it. It was a three month mastermind called magnetic. And it was really working with coaches, leaders, and speakers. And anytime I would lead an event, people are like, how do I do what you do? I want to captivate people with my energy, with my presence. How do I lead powerfully? Essentially be magnetic, like attract clients, attract opportunities. People are like, how do you get speaking engagements? I'm like, literally people send me emails. Like I haven't done cold email outreach of like, Hey, are you looking for a speaker for your event? Like really ever? I might start doing that because I do like speaking and I want to do it more, but magnifying and magnetizing what it is that you want to generate and create in your life. So that was a three month mastermind that I led. I may or may not do it again. We'll see. But a lot of my talks right now and messaging is really around how to be captivating, how to be magnetic and how to attract what it is that you want into your life with more ease and flow and finding that dance between that masculine and feminine energy where on one hand, I'm like actions where the magic happens without action. We're not going to get anywhere, but then there's also the allowing and the receiving. I spend a lot of energy in my masculine, like I'm very much here. And I've really had to trust and allow like, okay, well, I, I put the deposit in for the retreat center and like all these things, but then like my feminine, I'm holding this energetic space for being receptive to that. That's part of being magnetic too. And one of the other things that I love about the metaphor is for entrepreneurs, especially, or leaders, it's like magnets do two things. They attract and they repel. And that's kind of that piece of just owning the, like, I'm not going to be everyone's jam. Not everyone likes mm-hmm. raspberry and that's cool. Right. And so I don't want to, I'm not going to play small or dim my light to make other people comfortable. And talking about your energetic signature presence, what are you magnetizing into your life in general? And is it what you want? I like that you talk about the divine feminine and masculine together, because if you're an entrepreneur, you're running that masculine energy because you've got to be driving that train. But then at the same time, at some point, you're going to have to be in that divine feminine and receive everything. And it is such a wonderful dance that, that has to be done as an entrepreneur. One of the reasons why women especially need to be in their divine feminine is because they need to learn how to receive, but also be vulnerable because when we are vulnerable, then we are feeling like it's okay to receive. And the reason why we're here is to connect. If we're vulnerable, then we can connect. And also we can receive what the other person is giving us. Oh yes. I wanted to ask you about vulnerageous. Uh, is that how you say it? Vulnerageous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell what it, so that's courageous and vulnerable. Yeah. That's such a good that's definition. What it is, right. Yeah. It takes courage to be vulnerable. Right. And I talk a lot about vulnerageous leadership of really the ability to lead with your whole heart, to lead mm-hmm. open-heartedly and to lead from this place of, of modeling that for people. I always say, People don't want to be told what to do. They want a model of what's possible for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the, the energetic space that I hold of like people getting to 
say things out loud that they've never said before. And it's kind of like, yeah, put the light on the shadows, shine the light on the shadows and shine the light on the shame so that it's not keeping you stuck in that energy. Because if we don't, then it's going to, it's going to come out sideways, essentially. I love that Brene Brown has totally like rebranded vulnerability as this, like it's, it is where our source and our strength can come from mm-hmm. when we're honest and when we're real and we're authentic. And I think that in this world of filters and the highlight reel to be able to be real and be authentic. And I think that that's one thing that people really appreciate about camp too, is just the space where they get to practice, like being vulnerageous with themselves and with each other. It's absolutely where we need to go as a society. I love it. It's powerful medicine. Yeah, exactly. It is asking for what you want is how you heal. And it takes a lot of courage to do that. Standing up and saying, this is what I want. This is who I am. And this is why I want it. It's beautiful. It really can be healing. And it's actually why we're here. I mean, it's so funny how we try to be this thing that we think other people want. And then it just makes us miserable. And then until we figure out, oh, it's about me being truly me. And then whoever really accepts me, really, it feels good, right? Because when we have this perfect personality or these filters or whatever, people love that person, but deep down, that's not really who you are. And so there's like a, no, but I'm different. I'm a dialogue that's going on, but I'm, I'm even better than that. But you just don't see it because you need to look at this picture, but it's like, person's like, I didn't ask for a picture. You just put it up there. So there's this like energetic dialogue that's going on. Basically people pleasers are putting out something that is not really authentically them. And then they're getting right. annoyed when it's not received well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's and definitely a tone. Feel that, right. Yeah. And it creates a disconnect versus a resonance. Mm-hmm. And that's how I think about being magnetic is there's a, you're creating a resonance of energy with the people that are drawn to you, they're drawn to that, the realness or the authenticity or who you really are. And one thing that I love is people that have met me online that meet me in person. And they're like, you are exactly who I thought you would be. And there isn't this like disconnect. I've listened to people's podcasts and then like, I meet them in person and I'm like, oh, wow. Like you're really different than I thought you would be. And it almost creates like a distrust. Mm-hmm. I'm like, are you really like this? You know? Or is it just this like persona that you put on when you're doing your YouTube channel, your podcast or your videos or whatever, versus like it being true and really you. you Right. I think we've gone far too long hiding our mess and it's really in our mess that we have a message. So hundred percent. Yeah. Marley, it's been wonderful talking to you. Can you tell everybody where they can find you? You can go to my website, marleywilliams.com. Find me on Facebook. I do Wednesday pep talks. And if you need a pep talk, come there. And then Instagram is also a great place at Marley Williams. And uh, check out Camp Yes. So that is camp-yes.com for more info about that. It looks beautiful. And the glamping tent looks sufficient for someone like myself. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You can handle it for sure. Let's hang out. Let's hang out in Cabo. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, Marley, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. All content provided by Amy Stark and or her guests on the Stark Transformation Show website or other platforms, including text, images, audio, or other formats, are created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist.